there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Enigmatic, ancient seafarers. Cryptic stone writing. Silent, looming sculptures. Easter Island is home to many mysteries. Easter Island is also one of the most isolated places in the world. Pitcairn Island, its closest neighbor, is over a thousand miles away across the vast Pacific Ocean. And Easter Island is over 4,000 miles from Chile, which annexed it in 1888. Easter Island isn't just remote. It's a tiny speck of land, spanning only 63 square miles. And its current population is similarly small, totaling only 6,600 people. But what Easter Island lacks in size, it makes up for in intrigue. The over 900 gargantuan stone heads, or moai, dotting the island's landscape have confounded historians for decades. But unraveling the mystery of Easter Island's enormous statues means uncovering the secrets of the people who built them. The island's ancient native inhabitants, the Rapa Nui, are a riddle unto themselves. In last week's episode, we explored the Rapa Nui's myths and legends for clues as to their origins. We learned that the Rapa Nui were likely made up of two clans who engaged in a devastating civil war that decimated the island's population. But the Rapa Nui weren't just warriors. They were ingenious architects and scribes. They created and transported 900 giant Moai statues so skillfully that we still don't know how they did it. And they carved hundreds of mysterious stone tablets that we are still trying to translate to this day. Who were the Rapa Nui? And how did they achieve such legendary feats? In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this podcast, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every week, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. This is our final episode on Easter Island, the tiny island in the Pacific Ocean famous for its hundreds of gigantic Moai statues built by the island's original inhabitants, the Rapa Nui. 
Today, we're going to investigate the origins of the Rapa Nui and try to figure out how ancient South Americans or Polynesians arrived on Easter Island. We'll investigate which is more likely. Then, we'll uncover why these islanders built the Moai heads and how they transported these enormous statues across the island. The heads were said to walk. Is that really possible? If you like the show, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. A new episode comes out every Thursday. While you're there, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, on Twitter at Parcast Network, and at Parcast.com. Easter Island is a tiny place full of enormous mysteries. The island's first inhabitants, the Rapa Nui, arrived around 700 AD. They lived in complete isolation for over a thousand years until the arrival of the Dutch explorer Jacob Rohavein on Easter Sunday, 1722, which gave the island its modern name. This isolation allowed the Rapa Nui to develop a distinctive culture unlike anywhere else in the world. Their writing system and architecture are completely unique. But the same isolation that allowed them to thrive also shrouded their past in obscurity. And sadly, the Rapa Nui did not survive to relay their own history. After their first contact with the Dutch in 1722, the Rapa Nui's population declined rapidly over the next 150 years. By 1877, there were only 111 Rapa Nui left on Easter Island. The ancient Rapa Nui took their secrets to their graves, leaving us with burning questions. What do their stone tablets mean? How did the ancient Rapa Nui build and transport over 900 giant Moai statues? These Moai statues are so spectacular that even modern-day American artists have attempted to recreate them. Now, thanks to Linden, Kansas auto mechanic and artist Butch Maurer, folks traveling US 56 between Burlingame and Osage City in east-central Kansas can see pretty much the same thing. The heads that I made aren't exact replicas, they're kind of likenesses. And there's seven out there on the hillside, kind of placed at random to give the impression of the hillside there on Easter Island. Why the Easter Island statues? Well, I don't know why I came up with the idea. I've always been fascinated with Easter Island, and maybe I have some Rapa Nui in my soul. I don't know. Uh, I like the grassroots artist projects, and uh, like I say, just the off-the-wall nature of it is what appealed to me about the whole thing. Before we even get to the Rapa Nui's landmark cultural achievements, we need to unravel the mysteries of the Rapa Nui themselves. Who were they? How did they get to Easter Island? The origins of the Rapa Nui have puzzled historians for decades. But one thing everyone can agree on is that the Rapa Nui were seafarers. Easter Island is a tiny remote island in the middle of the Pacific, thousands of miles from the nearest continent. The only way to colonize the island is to sail across the ocean. Many scholars believe that ancient seafaring Polynesians were the ones to colonize Easter Island. But others believe that Easter Island could have been colonized by South Americans. Of course, it wouldn't have been easy for South American boats to reach Easter Island. 
their ships would have had to sail over 4,000 miles across the Pacific to reach the isle. The Polynesians, by contrast, only needed to cross 2,000 miles of ocean to reach Easter Island. But it doesn't mean the South Americans weren't up to the task of building ships that could sail over 4,000 miles. It's been well established that ancient South Americans were exceptionally good at constructing sturdy balsa wood rafts. And we know that ancient South Americans were able to use their balsa rafts to colonize islands. By the 1500s to the 1700s, South Americans had colonized every inhabitable island off the American coast. Although none of these ancient rafts are in existence today, it's been speculated that South American balsa rafts were capable of crossing not just short distances, but entire oceans. Thor Heyerdahl, a 20th century Norwegian explorer, actually proved this was possible. He built a balsa wood raft much like the ones created by the ancient South Americans, and then he sailed it 5,000 miles across the Pacific Ocean. This means it was certainly possible for ancient South Americans to sail 4,000 miles on balsa rafts and colonize Easter Island. But the question is whether there is any evidence of ancient South American peoples traveling as far as Easter Island. There are indeed legends of ancient South Americans reaching distant Pacific Islands, and not just any ancient South Americans. Easter Island may have actually been colonized by the largest and most successful ancient empire in South America, the Incan Empire. Incan legend speaks of a king named Tupac Yupanqui who hungered for adventure. Around 1480, Yupanqui decided to launch a massive exploration of the Pacific Ocean. He built a fleet of balsa rafts and set sail with 20,000 men. Yupanqui and his men spent 10 months rafting across the Pacific Ocean. During their journey, they discovered several different islands. They named one group of islands Hawa Chumbi, or Rough Belt, and they named a second island Nina Chumbi, or Fire Island. Yupanqui returned from his journey triumphant, bearing ample amounts of gold along with prisoners back with him from Fire Island. We don't know for sure if Yupanqui really completed this expedition to Fire Island, or if this is all nothing more than an Incan myth. But if Yupanqui did reach Fire Island, then we need to figure out which island he discovered. Some historians believe that Fire Island refers to the Galapagos Islands. Those islands had active volcanoes around 1480, which would explain why the Incas would name the Galapagos Fire Island. But there's a problem with this theory. The Galapagos would have been uninhabited when Yupanqui made his journey, and Yupanqui brought prisoners back from Fire Island. Additionally, Yupanqui spent 10 months at sea. The Galapagos Islands are only 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador. Yupanqui wouldn't have needed 10 months to sail there. As a point of comparison, Norwegian explorer Heyerdahl was later able to travel over 4,000 miles in a similar raft in just 101 days. So Yupanqui probably wouldn't have needed more than a few days or weeks to travel to the Galapagos Islands. He certainly didn't need 10 months. So maybe Yupanqui didn't sail to the Galapagos. 
Maybe the Incan king sailed to Easter Island. And this isn't the only evidence pointing to the possibility that the Incas colonized Easter Island. As we discussed last week, historians have found evidence of two different tribes of Rapa Nui, the Hanau Epe and Hanau Momoko. The two tribes' names were originally translated as Long Ear and Short Ear. Members of the Hanau Epe or Long Ear tribe were stocky and wore jewelry that elongated their earlobes. This matches up with descriptions of the Inca. They were a stocky people and wore heavy earrings that stretched their ears. The Long Ear tribe also had a completely different language from the Short Ear tribe. If the Long Ear tribe were Incan and the Short Ear tribe were Polynesian, it makes sense that they'd have two completely different languages. The Long Ear tribe was also the upper class tribe on Easter Island, and they tended to use the Short Ear tribe as slave labor. This fits right in with the idea of the Incan king Yuponki traveling to Easter Island and using the native inhabitants as slaves. But where we really see potential Incan influence on Easter Island is in the architectural design of some of the island's ruins. The Incas' masonry skills are legendary. They could cut stones so perfectly that the blocks fit together without mortar. One of the shrines on Easter Island, the Ahu Tahira, features the exact kind of precise masonry work that the Incas were famous for. The stone blocks fit together flawlessly without any mortar. So perhaps the Inca really did settle on Easter Island and form the Long Ear tribe, and Incan masons built the Ahu Tahira. There's one more piece of evidence connecting the Inca to Easter Island. In last week's episode, we recounted the Rapa Nui legend of Hotumatua, who brought sweet potatoes to Easter Island. Sweet potatoes on Easter Island aren't just a legend. There's been evidence of their presence on the island for hundreds of years. Dutch explorer Rohavain noticed sweet potatoes on the island when he landed in 1722. And 19th century European missionaries to Easter Island also made note of the sweet potatoes on the island. And scientists have recently proved that sweet potatoes flourished on Easter Island long before the Europeans arrived. The scientists who examined plant microfossils embedded in the dental remains of the ancient Rapa Nui found starch grains consistent with the modern yam. So there were sweet potatoes on Easter Island hundreds of years before the Europeans arrived. The question is, who brought sweet potatoes to Easter Island? It could have very well been the Inca. After all, sweet potatoes were a staple of Inca cuisine. It would make sense if King Yuponki took sweet potatoes with him on his 10-month trip at sea to Easter Island. The sweet potatoes offer compelling evidence that the Inca reached Easter Island and became the mysterious Rapa Nui. But this conflicts with our next theory. Many believe the Rapa Nui are entirely Polynesian. But ancient Polynesians originated in Southeast Asia, and sweet potatoes are native to South America, not Asia. If the Rapa Nui were purely Polynesian, then we need to figure out how they brought sweet potatoes, a South American crop, to Easter Island. In order for the Polynesians to get their hands on sweet potatoes, they would have had to sail all the way from Asia to South America. Now we know the ancient Polynesians were legendary seafarers, 
but it would still have been incredibly difficult to sail over 11,000 miles from Southeast Asia to the Americas. That said, difficult does not mean impossible. Over the last 20 years, historians and archaeologists have reconstructed the kinds of ships the ancient Polynesians used and have sailed over 40,000 nautical miles. If these recreations are accurate, that means the Polynesians could have sailed their sophisticated ships all the way to South America. Archaeologist Pat Kirch supports the notion that the ancient Polynesians were perfectly capable of sailing to South America and trading for sweet potatoes. Based on genetic testing of the sweet potato itself, scientists believe that Polynesian ships likely picked up sweet potatoes from Peru or other areas on the coast of the Americas and dispersed them through the islands they visited on their way back to Polynesia. This means the ancient Polynesians could have certainly sailed to South America, traded for sweet potatoes, and then brought the crop with them to Easter Island. So as it turns out, the presence of sweet potatoes on Easter Island supports the theory that the Rapa Nui are Polynesian. There's also genetic evidence that the Rapa Nui were Polynesian. Geneticists have tested five Rapa Nui corpses on the island that predate European contact in 1722, and their findings are astounding. Pontus Skoliand, a geneticist at the Frick Crick Institute in London, said that the Rapa Nui, quote, are 100% completely Polynesian ancestry, as far as we can see." End quote. This seemingly solves the debate once and for all. The ancient Rapa Nui were Polynesian. Not necessarily. We have to keep in mind that the sample size the geneticists were working with was incredibly small. After all, they were only able to test five ancient Rapa Nui corpses. That's a small enough sample size that other scientists caution that it would be irresponsible to extrapolate the genetics of an entire population based on these genetic findings. In other words, just because five ancient Rapa Nui were Polynesian doesn't mean they were all Polynesian. Additionally, modern Rapa Nui people are a blend of ancestries, including Polynesian, South American, and European. Based on the evidence we've accumulated, it seems reasonable to acknowledge the possibility that Easter Island was colonized by two different groups of people, seafaring Polynesians and members of the Inca Empire. And perhaps it was the clashes between these two different groups of people that eventually led to the mysterious downfall of the Rapa Nui. We'll return to our story in just a moment from the ParCast Network. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dads doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. And now, back to our story. The Rapa Nui were likely a mix of ancient Polynesians and South Americans who used sophisticated navigation techniques to sail thousands of miles in 700 AD to reach their new home, Easter Island. But there are other theories about the origin of the Rapa Nui people. The archipelago theory states that Easter Island was a huge burial center for several other islands that have since disappeared under the waves. Rapa Nui legends support this theory. In last week's episode, we recounted the story of Hotu Matua. He dreamed that he needed to find a new home for his people before his island, Hiva, disappeared into the ocean. So he sent out seven explorers who discovered Easter Island. If the archipelago theory is accurate, then perhaps Hiva was one of these lost archipelagos that vanished into the ocean. And perhaps Easter Island was really founded by Hotumatua and his people. But beyond the legends, there's no scientific evidence to support this theory. It's much more likely that the Rapa Nui were Polynesian and South American. Well, now that we know who the Rapa Nui were, that brings us to our next puzzle. How did the Rapa Nui discover Easter Island? Easter Island is thousands of miles from any neighboring continent. It's unlikely that the Rapa Nui accidentally sailed to an inhabitable island in the middle of nowhere. Historians have theorized that the Rapa Nui discovered the island by using the stars to navigate. As the ancient sailors got close to Rapa Nui, they would have eventually spotted seagulls and other birds indicating they were close to land. Researchers have conducted several experiments to see if it's actually possible to find Easter Island by using nothing but the stars for navigation. In 2017, researchers built and sailed the Hokulea, a ship designed to emulate the boats of ancient Polynesians. The ship's crew managed to sail the Hokulea across nearly 2,000 nautical miles of ocean using only ancient navigation techniques before landing safely on Easter Island. Their experiment shows that it was possible for the Polynesians to discover Easter Island using ancient navigation techniques. So we know how the Rapa Nui discovered and sailed to Easter Island. Why they set sail is anyone's guess. Perhaps they were searching for freedom and better lives. Perhaps they were spurred on by a spirit of adventure to found a new civilization. After discovering and settling on Easter Island, the Rapa Nui developed a rich and mysterious culture. They produced hundreds of stone rongo-rongo tablets covered in cryptic symbols. Modern-day linguists have been left with a puzzling question. What do those mysterious glyphs mean? When European missionaries discovered the ancient tablets in the mid-1800s, they did not know what to make of them. The hieroglyphics were indecipherable to the Europeans. One of the missionaries, Father Roussel, tried to get the Rapa Nui to translate them. But unfortunately, the remaining Rapa Nui did not, apparently, know how to read the tablets either. The missionaries initially assumed that none of the Rapa Nui could translate the tablets because the current surviving members of the Rapa Nui population were illiterate. 
By 1877, there were only 111 Rapa Nui people left on the island. Their entire civilization had been decimated. So the European missionaries theorized that the literate, upper-class Rapa Nui must have been wiped out. But in 1895, Europeans came up with a new theory to explain the indecipherable language of the stone tablets. Maybe the tablets did not represent a script at all. Maybe they were just unsophisticated pictures. To the prejudiced 19th century Europeans, this made sense. They saw the indigenous Rapa Nui as less civilized than them. Maybe they were incapable of coming up with their own writing system. But frankly, these 19th century Europeans were just being racist. The Rapa Nui were a sophisticated people whose early seafaring skills allowed them to travel thousands of miles across the ocean in 700 AD, a feat ancient Europeans could only dream of. The Rapa Nui were perfectly capable of coming up with a written language. But the mysterious carved symbols on the Rapa Nui tablets remain undeciphered. Historians have tried to uncover clues about what the symbols may mean by determining when exactly the Rapa Nui carved them. Unfortunately, the tablets themselves have been hard to date. It's generally thought that the tablets originated circa 1200, around the time that the Rapa Nui were clearing Easter Island of its native trees through slash-and-burn agriculture. However, none of the pre-European Rongo Rongo tablets have been carbon dated. Many of the tablets have been lost. Some have decayed. Some were traded away, and others were destroyed by missionaries in the 1800s as relics of paganism. Most are in poor condition. Because there are only a few tablets remaining, we may never actually know what the tablets mean. But there are plenty of theories. Since the 1950s, many linguistic historians have believed that the Rongo-Rongo texts were not actually fully developed writing, but rather something called proto-writing. Proto-writing consists of symbols that represent ideas or concepts. The symbols tend to represent a personalized code created by the writer rather than actual language. In order to understand the symbols, you would have to be familiar with the writer. If the Rongo-Rongo tablets do contain a fully developed writing system, it could be one of two different types, syllabic or logographic. In a syllabic language like English, written characters represent sounds or syllables. In a logographic language, like Mandarin, written characters represent entire words. Linguists aren't sure which writing system applies to the Rongo-Rongo tablets. They don't fall neatly into either category. The subjects of the tablets also remain unknown. Based on the oral history of the Rapa Nui, the tablets were considered sacred. They may have been religious texts. On the other hand, the tablets may have also been ancestral records, agricultural instructions, or navigational charts. Unfortunately, this is one mystery even we can't crack. But perhaps we can untangle another mystery of Easter Island instead. Why did the Rapa Nui population decline? Researchers aren't sure how many Rapa Nui lived on the island at the height of their civilization, According to Dr. Cedric Pulston of UC Davis, quote, it appears that the island could have supported 17,500 people at its peak, 
end quote. He arrived at this number by calculating how much of the island could be used to grow food crops and extrapolating how many people this much food could have sustained. Jared Diamond, author of Collapse, argues that the population of Easter Island was around 15,000 at its peak. But by the time Dutch explorer Rohevain landed on Easter Island in 1722, there were only about 3,000 Rapa Nui left on the island. So what caused the Rapa Nui to decline from 15,000 people to a mere 3,000 people? In Collapse, Diamond argues that the native Rapa Nui were responsible for their own decline. He believes that Easter Island was originally a forested island rich in resources. But overpopulation and destructive slash-and-burn agricultural practices destroyed the island's ecosystem. The Rapa Nui were left without fertile land to grow crops. Over time, the depletion of resources led to competition and conflicts over food. As the Rapa Nui struggled with starvation, the population crashed. And that would explain why Rohavain only found 3,000 Rapa Nui on the island in 1722. Conversely, archaeologists Carl Lippo and Terry Hunt have a completely different theory. They believe that the Rapa Nui never numbered more than about 3,000 people at their peak. Lippo and Hunt believe that the Rapa Nui were a successful, thriving civilization that lasted for hundreds of years. And it was only after Dutch Rohavine made contact with them in 1722 that the Rapa Nui's population went into rapid decline. These two arguments hinge on how many people Easter Island could have effectively supported at its peak, over 10,000 or merely 3,000. Scientific testing and archaeological evidence overwhelmingly support the idea that 15 to 17,000 Rapa Nui could thrive on Easter Island. Let's not forget that the population of Rapa Nui was large enough to build over 900 10-ton sculptures and haul them all over the island. They probably needed more than 3,000 people for architectural feats of that magnitude. So it seems that Diamond's theory is the most plausible. There were originally around 15,000 Rapa Nui on the island, and their destructive agricultural practices resulted in mass starvation. But Diamond doesn't believe the Rapa Nui simply starved to death. He argues that as the Rapa Nui depleted their natural resources, tribes engaged in devastating warfare. To support his theory, he notes that there are thousands of mata'a, or spear points, scattered all over the island. These spear points are hundreds of years old and were used long before the Europeans arrived. This indicates that the Rapa Nui used these spears in a bloody civil conflict against each other. This would also fit with our theory of the Long-Ear Inca tribe and the Short-Ear Polynesian tribe going to war against each other. But when archaeologists Lippo and Hunt studied the spear points, they came to a startlingly different conclusion. They noticed that the obsidian spear points were not likely designed for warfare. They came in many different shapes and were clearly not intended for stabbing or piercing. Lippo and Hunt posited that the Rapa Nui used the spear points in religious rituals or as agricultural tools. Instead of blaming the fall of the Rapa Nui on an epic civil conflict, they believed the Rapa Nui 
may have been felled by a decidedly smaller culprit. Three million rats. Our story will continue in a moment after the break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Avantika Chilkoti, host of The Modi Raj, a new podcast from The Economist. Narendra Modi has watched over a period of rapid growth in India, but he's also the front man for a chauvinistic Hindu nationalism. Now, he's eyeing another term as prime minister. What will it mean for India? and the world. I've been trying to get inside his head. Listen now to The Modi Raj from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the story. By the time the Dutch explorer Jacob Rohevein set foot on Easter Island in 1722, the native Rapa Nui had undergone a massive population decline from around 15,000 to just 3,000 people. Author Jared Diamond believes that the Rapa Nui dwindled because their slash-and-burn agricultural practices destroyed the island's ecosystem and made it impossible to grow food. But archaeologists Carl Lippo and Terry Hunt believe something else was responsible for destroying the island's ecosystem. Rats. Three million of them. Rats are not native to Easter Island. But would the introduction of one non-native rodent to the island's ecosystem have been enough to cause the collapse of a civilization? The rats certainly had a lot of time to affect Easter Island's ecosystem. The rodents may have arrived on the island as early as 700 AD by infesting the ships of the original Polynesian colonists. Easter Island had a simple ecosystem with few predators, which meant there were no animals around to eat the rapidly multiplying rats. Without predators to keep their numbers down, the rats could thrive and spread throughout the aisle. This explains why thousands of ancient rat bones have been found scattered across Easter Island. So according to Lippo and Hunt, rats wreaked havoc on Easter Island's natural habitat long before the Rapa Nui began their destructive agricultural practices. However, scientists generally favor Diamond's thesis. The general consensus is that the Rapa Nui declined due to an ecological disaster created by their slash-and-burn farming. And this is why there were only 3,000 Rapa Nui left by the time the Dutch explorer Rohavain arrived in 1722. By the time Captain Cook reached Easter Island in 1774, 50 years after Rohavain, the Rapa Nui had undergone another dramatic population decline. Cook counted fewer than 30 women and only 700 Rapa Nui in total. There are a couple different reasons why the Rapa Nui may have dwindled from 3,000 people in 1722 to just 700 people in 1774. One possibility is that the Rapa Nui continued to suffer from starvation and a lack of resources. Cook's logs support this theory, 
and depict an ecologically decimated island. The logs barely mention food crops, and water is described as scarce. Cook himself believed that the Rapa Nui may have been the victims of a volcanic catastrophe, which resulted in a population decline. As evidence, he pointed to the abandoned Rapa Nui plantations near the island's hills. But Cook's logs also support our theory that the Rapa Nui declined as a result of civil strife. Cook noticed the Rapa Nui were armed. They weren't engaged in any conflicts with the Europeans, so they could only have been using these weapons to fight each other. Modern research has shown that the Rapa Nui were in fact engaged in civil and religious conflict throughout the 1700s. So ongoing warfare is a reasonable explanation for the continued population decline of the Rapa Nui over the course of the 1700s. The Rapa Nui population continued to shrink throughout the 1700s and 1800s as their contact with European explorers and missionaries increased. By 1877, there were only 111 Rapa Nui left on Easter Island. And it is contact with the Europeans that may have put the final nail in the coffin of the Rapa Nui civilization. Because the Rapa Nui lived on a small, isolated island, they would have been utterly defenseless against European diseases. We already know that European diseases are capable of wiping out entire indigenous populations. For example, when Cortes invaded Mexico and brought smallpox and other European diseases with him, the native population of Mexico dwindled from 25 million people to a mere 1.2 million people. The Rapa Nui only numbered 3,000 people when they first encountered Europeans in 1722. It would have been easy for a European epidemic to utterly decimate their population. So the ancient Rapa Nui civilization likely declined for two main reasons. Sometime after they founded the island in 700 AD, their slash-and-burn farming practices destroyed the island's ecosystem and led to starvation and warfare. The Rapa Nui who weren't killed in the conflicts over resources were likely wiped out by the introduction of European diseases over the course of the 1700s and 1800s. With the Rapa Nui gone, historians have had to try and piece together the biggest mystery they left behind, the over 900 Moai heads that dot the island's landscape. The ancient Rapa Nui aren't here to tell us why they built these heads, so historians have had to do some detective work. In last week's episode, we learned that the Rapa Nui built the Moai heads between 700 to 1550. And it was during this 850-year stretch that historians believe the Rapa Nui practiced ancestor worship. We know that the Rapa Nui abruptly stopped building statues around 1550 during the rise of a religion known as the Birdman Cult. The Rapa Nui who joined the Birdman Cult worshipped a fertility god named Make Make. In order to honor Make Make, the Rapa Nui engaged in a fierce competition where they dove off cliffs to retrieve bird eggs. And as more Rapa Nui joined the Birdman Cult, they stopped building their giant statues. Since the Rapa Nui stopped building the Moai heads in 1550, right when they stopped worshipping their ancestors, 
it only makes sense that the Moai heads and the ancestor worship are connected. That's what historians believe. In fact, they have concluded that the Moai heads themselves represent important Rapa Nui ancestors. The ancient Rapa Nui believed that their ancestors could transfer mana, or magic power, to the living through the Moai statues. The larger the statue, the more mana it could pass on to its living descendants. But the ancient Rapa Nui's faith in mana and the power of their ancestors faded as they joined the Birdman cult in 1550 and began to worship Make Make. This explains why they stopped building statues, because they no longer worshipped their ancestors or believed in mana. The Rapa Nui no longer had a reason to keep constructing the Moai. So we've determined the Rapa Nui likely built the Moai to honor their ancestors. But an even bigger question remains. How did they move those massive stone heads across the island and fix them in place on their ceremonial Ahu platforms? Let's start with our most outlandish theory. Some believe that aliens were responsible for constructing and moving the Moai. According to this theory, the Rapa Nui simply weren't advanced enough to transport hundreds of stone sculptures weighing well over 10 tons across the island. After all, Moving those enormous statue heads must have taken extreme ingenuity and a complex rigging system. Supporters of the alien theory believe that only beings from another planet would have had the know-how to accomplish such a sophisticated feat. But this theory isn't likely to be true. There's absolutely no scientific evidence to support it. And while it might be fun to speculate about otherworldly beings creating enormous works of art, the truth is much more intriguing. The Rapa Nui somehow engineered an incredibly advanced system to move 20-ton Moai statues up to 11 miles without modern technology. So how did they do it? Scientists have tested many theories. Rapa Nui legends state that the statues walked across the island all on their own to their ceremonial platforms. And in 1955, the explorer Heyerdahl tried to figure out how the ancient Rapa Nui actually moved the statues. Heyerdahl initially tried to build a 10-ton moai on a tree trunk and drag it into place. But a Rapa Nui watching Heyerdahl's attempt told the archaeologist that he was doing it all wrong. So when Heyerdahl returned in 1986, he tried something new. He rigged a moai with ropes attached to the head and base and managed to get the statue to walk, or kind of rock back and forth, to move without much difficulty. Mystery solved? Not quite. Heyerdahl's rocking Moai experiment damaged the base of the Moai. To accurately recreate the transportation methods of the ancient Rapa Nui, he needed to be able to move the Moai statue without damaging it. In 1987, Archaeologist Charles Love came up with another theory. Perhaps the Rapa Nui had rolled the statues across the island on wooden logs. He decided to test out his idea. Love placed a nine-ton replica of the Moai on a wooden sledge, then moved it on rollers. Within two minutes, he had moved it 148 feet. In 1998, Archaeologist Joanne von Tilburg tested her theory that the Rapa Nui used ladders rather than log rollers to move the Moai around the island. 
She put a Moai replica on a Polynesian wood ladder and managed to move the statue 230 feet. But while Love and Tilburg were able to move the statues effectively with log rollers and ladders, their experiments ignore crucial clues from the Rapa Nui's legends. According to myth, the Rapa Nui ambled into place. It's unlikely that the legends would specify that the statues walked across the island if ancient Rapa Nui simply rolled them around on logs. So in 2012, Archaeologists Terry Hunt and Carl Lippo tested a new theory. They waddled the statues. Lippo and Hunt tied ropes only to the tops of the statues and then moved the enormous, heavy sculptures successfully by rocking the heads back and forth with the ropes. It took only 18 people with strong ropes and some practice to move a five-ton Moai replica a few hundred yards. And as they moved the statues, it really looked like they were walking. Which means there may have been truth to the old Rapa Nui legends after all. The Rapa Nui most likely tied ropes around the heads of the statues and waddled or walked them across the island. To this day, hundreds of Moai statues still stand watch over Easter Island. These enormous statues bore witness to the rise and fall of a great civilization. Perhaps this explains their somber expressions. They could only watch as their descendants destroyed themselves through starvation and civil war until a proud people dwindled to a mere handful of survivors. But walking among these enormous statues, you can't help but want to learn their secrets and the secrets of the ancient Rapa Nui who built them. Perhaps one day, Linguists will be able to decipher the ancient stone tablets and unlock more of the ancient Rapa Nui's mysteries. Until that happens, we can only gaze in awe at the Moai statues that the Rapa Nui left behind. And hope that the forces that destroyed the ancient Rapa Nui don't one day destroy us as well. Don't forget to subscribe to Unexplained Mysteries on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Unexplained Mysteries is written by Kate Hackett and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. 